Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Well, hello, you good people, and welcome. Welcome to life on earth. A quick one. I'm going to talk fast. I need you to listen fast. I know you can do that thing. This is going to be a Nikos approved show. Well, at least in terms of show length, you know, he's stated that if possible, given the content and effective presentation should last no longer than 18 minutes. Let's give that a shot. Welcome to episode 93 of Life on Earth with Robert Nacer. And before I get down to business, real quick, special announcement slash reminder to those of you who already know, next week's show, number 94, this promises to be a can't miss episode. Two of my favorite people are going to join Life on Earth. Well, for this episode, Amy Nacer is once again going to co-host episode 94. Of course, Amy was the co-host for the first 60 episodes of this show. So a, a talented professional, and I'm happy to have her on back on board for next week. And the reason she's coming on, it's a very special episode because we're going to once again, we did this once before, we're going to interview Jean Maroney. This is great. You know, she was on Lee Pearson's show last night doing controversial discussions about controversial is, is to say the least about the subconscious. Well, she is coming to life on earth. We're going to do a second interview. This is going to be great. And we're going to talk about the concept of happiness, not just the objectivist concept of happiness, but the essay series, the blog posts that she's done on the concept of happiness, including her recent post, how to think about emotions. This is going to be good. And so in preparation for that discussion, I have been thinking about the joy of selfishness a phrase that got stuck in my head, probably because of my age, when I was young, before the internet, and before sex education, there was a book out there called The Joy of Sex. I think it was based, it was kind of a parody, not a parody, it was, it was inspired by the old book, The Joy of Cooking. So I can't resist, I know, I know kids nowadays, we don't need the joy of sex, we have the internet. We learn everything from porn. If everything you know about sex, you learn from porn, uh, anyway, watch my show with James Valiant yesterday, in which we talked about sexuality on the uh, Keeping It Real series. But in preparation for that discussion, yes, I've been thinking about the joy of selfishness. Now, now quoting Ayn Rand, what do we mean by selfishness? The objectivist ethics proudly advocates and upholds rational selfishness, which means the values required for man's survival. Qua man, which means the values required for human survival, not the values produced by the desires, the emotions, the quote unquote aspirations, feelings, whims, the needs of irrational brutes who have never outgrown the primordial practice of human sacrifices, have never discovered an industrial society, and can conceive of no self interest but that of grabbing the loot by the moment. I'll stop the quote right there, because when I think of the, the brute who can conceive of no self-interest, but that of grabbing the loot of the moment, it's when Ayn Rand speaks, she speaks very definitely. And it may sound hyperbolic, but consider Jordan Peterson, consider Ben Shapiro, consider the conservatives who say the problem with today's liberals is they're all about the self and self-gratification. They're all hedonists. You take selfish person, put put him in a bar, he's going to pick up chicks, even though he's got a wife and kids at home. 
That's what they think selfishness is. The left, of course, is no better in that regard. Going on with the Ayn Rand quote about selfishness. The objectivist ethics holds that human good does not require human sacrifices and cannot be achieved by the sacrifice of anyone to anyone. It holds that the rational interests of men do not clash, that there is no conflict of interests among men who do not desire the unearned, who do not make sacrifices nor accept them, who deal with one another as traitors giving value for value, unquote. Ayn Rand, the virtue of selfishness and the objectivist ethics. Uh, this is great because I'm going to mention this in a moment. Equal to reality. I swear I didn't plant this comment, but equal to reality in the chat says, I am selfishly enjoying the better angels of our nature by Steven Pinker. Equal to reality. You made exactly the right comment. Now, as men and women of reason, we have or we try to have a unique rational, reality-based relationship with justice. In Ayn Rand's words, justice is the recognition of the fact that you cannot fake the character of men as you cannot fake the character of nature, that you must judge all men as conscientiously as you judge inanimate objects, with the same respect for truth, with the same incorruptible vision by as pure and rational a process of identification. Every man must be judged for what he is and treated accordingly. Now, unquote, unique to this perspective, unique to this perspective is the understanding that mercy, if taken as the opposite of justice, mercy is improper and even self-destructive. I did a search for mercy in the objectivist lexicon, the Ayn Rand lexicon, and there's just this quote from Leonard Peikoff's Objectivism Lecture Series, not even OPAR, but the lecture series, it says, mercy means an unearned forgiveness. Ooh, that's harsh. Mercy, an unearned forgiveness. But that is what mercy means if it means mercy, mercy in contradistinction to justice, in contrast to justice. So let me go to the big book. Not Opar this time, but Alice Shrug. And uh, page 1000, which isn't the end of the book, by the way, in which one of our characters says, oops, hold on just a second. Oh, I see I went too far. Sorry about that. I should have had my post-it note in here like I always do with the James Valiant shows. But our protagonist, I'm going to try to keep the spoilers out, says, you have heard it said that this is an age of moral crisis. You have said it yourself, half in fear, half in the hope that the words had no meaning. You have cried that man's sins are destroying the world. Who did, let me stop the quote for a moment. Who does this sound like? Who has cried that man's sins are destroying the world? Feel free to answer that in the chat. You have cried that man's sins are destroying the world, and you have cursed human nature for its unwillingness to practice the virtues you demanded. Since virtue to you consists of sacrifice, you have demanded more sacrifices at every successive disaster. In the name of a return to morality, you have sacrificed 
all those evils that you held as the cause of your plight. You have sacrificed justice to mercy. You have sacrificed independence to unity. You've sacrificed reason to faith. You've sacrificed wealth to need. Again, you have sacrificed justice to mercy. Well, there you go. Obviously, justice and mercy are, are, are held to be antithesis, antithesis, antithetical. There's a word I should have scripted. I'm going to read that passage when we wrap. Let's see if it hits home for you. But again, this is unique perspective. Mercy, if taken, is the opposite of justice. It's improper. It's even self-destructive. Let me continue the quote a little bit later from Ayn Rand. To withhold your contempt for man's vices is an act of moral counterfeiting. And to withhold your admiration for their virtues is an act of moral embezzlement. So, okay, selfishness, justice, and no mercy. So, benevolence. Online, an objectivist posted this. The basic moral law in a society is this. As you sow, so shall you reap. The basic moral law in a society is this. As you sow, so shall you reap. You know, you're going to reap what you sow. To, to which I thought, and I, and I commented, respect causality and practice justice. Though that's not even the bare minimum. It's more like a mere prerequisite. Still, a lot of people don't even accept or practice that much. So, benevolence. You know, today's the daily objective, you know, the weekly collective edition that we do on Thursdays. Another great show, Jonathan and Paul and Jax discuss, they discussed Netflix's latest disaster. I don't know why I keep Netflix. So few movies, they're always pushing original programming. And the latest original programming from Netflix, Queen, Queen Cleopatra, which by all accounts, I mean, I mean, all accounts other than Netflix's own advertising, is a poorly made documentary biopic, you know, sort of um, historical fiction, which is controversial because it is simultaneously atrociously badly made. And it changes the race of the title character from an Egyptian woman to a black woman. And some people, of course, are blaming the criticism of the quality of the series on people's concerns about the race of the main character. My comment was the obsession of the producers and of collectivists in general with race is a remarkable failure to be reality-focused and self-interested. You know, show me a collectivist who's also happy, if you can. This is a failure of selfishness, a failure to be self-interested. Again, show me a collectivist who is happy. No, hardcore collectivists, serious collectivists tend to be malevolent 
and pessimistic. And pessimism and malevolence is a failure of selfishness, a failure to be selfish, what I call a failure of selfishness. Not of the concept or of the idea, but a failure to be selfish. And pessimism and malevolence are not exclusive to the enemies of reason, the enemies of individualism, the enemies of capitalism, a remarkable failure of selfishness and injustice to those who are good, those who are good even if they're not objectivists. Just a reminder, uh, most of the best people in history have been not objectivists. Michelangelo was not an objectivist. Frederick Douglass was not an objectivist. The founders of America were not objectivists. Andrew Carnegie was not an objectivist. Michael Jordan is not an objectivist. I mean, of course, objectivism is still, historically speaking, we're brand spanking new. And we've got our share of heroes in philosophy, but also in business in academia, in psychology, in art, even in politics, if you count political advocacy as politics, people like Adam Mossoff and Alex Epstein. Pessimism and malevolence. I'm going to repeat myself here, probably more than once, pessimism and malevolence, bitterness, are an injustice to those who are good. The good out there in business and the good in music and the good in dance and the good in sports and in chocolate. Okay, I bring up chocolate to return me to the theme for the day. Pessimism and malevolence is a failure of selfishness, a failure to be selfish enough. I have argued across several domains that optimism is realism, which is why I'm glad that Equal to Reality brought up the better angels of our nature. In both the Steven Pinker sense, everything is getting better all of the time, but also in the Howard Rourke sense. And by the Rourkean sense, I mean, whatever the rest of humanity, whatever they're doing, whether things are getting better or getting worse, it's irrelevant so long as I can live my life the way that I choose, I can do the work that I love, I can have the people in my life who bring me happiness. Now, how do I reconcile the fact that some people, including some people in power, people in political and academic leadership positions are just bad people. They're living by bad ideas, they're putting bad policies and legislation into effect. How do I reconcile that with the fact that most people aren't bad. They're not perfect, and they could and should be better, but most people, they're my peers. They're my neighbors. They're my employers, my baristas, my friends, my family, or some or all of the above. Well, here's my thoughts on loaning money. But before I get to that, again, huge thanks to the people in the chat. 
Thank you for participating in the conversation. Would love to see a super chat or two. We are on the Ayn Rand Center UK. And by the time I'm done, I'm going to talk about what an honor that is on episode 93 here. But Harry Benzweiger's got me beat. Episode 100 is coming up on Monday. That's going to be so cool to see Harry celebrate 100 episodes. I don't know how he beat me to 100, but more power to him. If you are enjoying the program at the Ayn Rand Center UK, you know what to do. If you're not already a member, aynrandcenter.co.uk, click become a member. Link is right at the top of the chat. But if you're listening afterward, you know where to go. You can also put in a super chat. If you want to make your comments, your questions stand out in the chat. And don't your comments and questions deserve to stand out? Hint, yes. Then yeah, put them in as a super chat. Any dollars, any pounds, any pence you put in supports the ARC UK. So what are my thoughts on loaning money? Why do I care what Robert's thoughts are on loaning money? See, I've been advised, and it's come up again recently online, never loan money. It's an old expression, never a lender nor a borrower be, especially to people you like, since the obligation and sometimes the difficulty and consequent guilt and resentment of repayment can destroy, or, oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Apollo Zeus is in for two pounds, says appreciate the positivity, but age of envy, you're absolutely right. We need to talk about the age of envy and equal to reality is also in for two pounds. Love that we're getting the British cohort in with the super chats. I don't know, you folks in the US, you need to catch up. Maybe you could put in a couple dollars too. But thank you. Thank you very much for your super chat. Again, you loan people money and if they have a hard time paying you back, it makes them feel guilt. It makes you feel resentment. You ruin relationships. Don't ever loan money to people. That was the advice I've been given. I was once again given online this week. So never loan money to friends. Never loan money to family. But loaning money to somebody who needs it and somebody who's earnestly intending to pay it back, that is a kindness. That is a goodness. That is something you extend out to people and it has value to them. And don't your friends and your family deserve that the most of all? So my rule, and take this for what it's worth, it's worth a lot. My rule is never loan out money that you can't afford to not get back. And to not get back without you resenting it, or you can just let it go. If you can't do that, if you can't afford to do that in a given instance, or you don't want to do that in a given instance, then yes, don't loan the money out. But that's another reason why I encourage people to be really productive, you know, in order to have plentiful resources and to live well within their means. And this is why mercy that I brought up, mercy in the objectivist sense is the opposite of justice. But yes, taken literally, elevated to a moral principle, mercy is not a virtue. It's a vice. It is literally injustice, the act of not giving somebody what they deserve, cutting them down. But if we've made our point, we just stop. Or when we accept an apology, or when we've won a fight, and we could go on beating our opponent to a pulp. Well, that's not mercy. That's 
Well, it's something else. It's knowing when to quit. It's it's grace. It's benevolence. Sportsmanship. Cool. Call it what you will. My point is, not every act of mercy is mercy in the moral philosophical sense of being the opposite of justice. So we need to know that. We need to be aware of that. You know, so we don't cringe every time somebody says, yeah, he was down, so I took mercy on him. We need to know exactly what was meant. I, I certainly do, because I am, I am selfish. I am self-interested. And here's why it matters. Benevolence is in my self-interest. Kindness is in my self-interest. Having good people in my life and treating them well is in my self-interest. I said it before, optimism is realism. Whether you take the Steven Pinker approach or the Howard Rourke approach, and for me personally, they amount to the same thing. The tie is the benevolent universe. Optimism is realism. So now we can add, if optimism is realism, if optimism is realistic, then optimism is selfish. Optimism is self-interested. Benevolence is selfish. Justice is selfish. So here's what's not selfish. Here's what is not in your self-interest. What's not in your self-interest is pessimism. What's not in your self-interest is unhappiness. To be clear, anger can be selfish, but bitterness, not so much. Sadness can be in your self-interest. You know, if it's a response to a specific loss, not a pervasive sense that comes from giving up on your life on earth. Never give up on life on earth. If we are individualists, well, then it's in our self-interest to live rationally. But on that premise, it's also in our self-interest to live happily, to deal with others, to mutual benefit as traders, and not just, well, I got something and you got something, now go away, but as win-win, benevolent, engaged, passionate traders, appreciative traders. Whether we're trading goods or services, time, attention, friendship, romance, I want you to be selfish and just and benevolent. But more, reality, this earth right here, right now, this is the right place, the right kind of place for you to be selfish and just and benevolent and proud and successful and joyous and happy. To steal a line, the world you desire can be one. It exists. It is real. It's possible. It's yours. The world you desire can be one. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Now, I'd normally end the show there. Boom, big climax. But I want to remind you, I promised you it would be short. I want to remind you that next week, Life on Earth welcomes two of the most excellent people back to the show. So do 
not miss it when Amy Naser joins me as co-host for this one special episode and Jean Maroney is our guest discussing her essay series on the concept of happiness. Between now and then, be selfish, be just, be happy, and have a joyous life on earth. <laughs>